That was fun. We're going to continue in worship by hearing God's word, turning to the book of Jonah, chapter 4. We're going to spend two weeks in chapter 4 here. Um, This morning we're going to look at the first four uh, verses. And then next week we're going to finish off the book. Here is God's word from Jonah chapter 4. Jonah's anger at the Lord's compassion. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Jesus told this story about workers in a vineyard. He said, you know, the kingdom, the kingdom is like this. This is a picture of the kingdom. He said a landowner hires people, you know, at the beginning of the day, promising to pay them a denarius. Let's just say $100, $100 for a day's labor. And then three hours later, he goes back to the spot, the town square, and he hires more people. And then three hours later, he does the same thing. And then three hours later, he does the same thing. And these last ones, you know, they're all lined up. It's at the end of the day. They've put in their 12 hours of work. They're all lined up. And the people in the back are seeing, whoa, those guys up front are getting 100 bucks. This is going to be great. I worked way longer than them. Think of the bonus that I'm going to get. But this landowner pays them exactly what he paid the people up front, exactly what they were promised, $100. Well, as you can imagine, they start to grumble a little bit, and they're saying, ah, that landowner, he's not very fair. Grumble, grumble, grumble. And his response is like this. The landowner says, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? Maybe Jesus was thinking about Jonah when he told this story. Because there are so many similarities. There's this idea, you know, when when Jonah's enemies repent in sackcloth and ashes and turn to the Lord, as Pastor Chad told us about last week, Jonah doesn't rejoice like a good missionary should. He is angry, he's sad, he's brokenhearted, he's discouraged, he's mad because of what happened. And it's this idea 
you know what? That's not fair. It's not fair that these workers should get $100, these guys that come in late. It's not fair that the people in Nineveh, the Assyrians, should get God's love and should not have to suffer. And it's this idea, well, wait a minute. It's true, you know, it's true what our parents told us. Life isn't fair. And actually, it's way better than fair. I mean, think about if we all got what we really deserved in this life and in the life to come. I don't care if you have been a Christian your whole life. You know, you've been in that vineyard working all day. That's, that, you, you, you haven't been doing that. That's our spiritual ancestors. That's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that have been there. We're all sort of latecomers to the gospel, latecomers to Christ. And what Jesus was explaining in his parable and what Jonah teaches us in chapter 4 is God's character never changes. God is full of grace and mercy. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in steadfast love. Yesterday, today, and forever. Not, you know, it's, it's, I think it's really easy to say, oh, well, yeah, all those people out there and those people who are better than me and kind of people around the world, God loves them. It's true. It's true. He does love them, but he also loves you and me. His love is steadfast for you and me. His love is boundless and unending for you and for me. This morning, we're going to talk about how Jonah was so mad because God is loving. It sounds crazy at first, and yet I think if we think about our lives, we all do it. Jonah says that I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. I knew that you were like this. <clears throat> Jonah knew enough of God's character to know that he was going to do this, to know that he was going to forgive anything that is confessed. But he's saying, you know, those people over there, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve your grace. They're my enemies. They're bad. They're those people over there. And Jonah, you know, even in this immature way, he holds up a mirror to our hearts. He holds up a mirror and it shows our self-righteousness, our desire to make ourselves better than we are, our desire to, to cling to things, to say, look at all these things that I've done. Look at all the ways that I'm better than those people over there whoever that is. So as we step into this text, we're going to look at Jonah's anger and God's compassion. Jonah's anger and God's compassion. And we're going to see how God's compassionate love for his people is so much deeper than, than anger. So Jonah's, Jonah's anger. In verse 2, he, he lays it all out. He says, Lord, isn't this what I said when I was still at home? You know, when you sent me on this mission, 
When you called me to this work, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I tried to run away from you. That's why I tried to flee. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. I know that was your heart, God. I knew that was your desire. I knew that that was your character, and I didn't want that for the Assyrians. I didn't want that for Nineveh. I didn't want that for my enemies. And then he says, you know, in verse 3, take away my life. Take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. He's so upset and he's so frustrated that he wants to die. He doesn't want to live in a world where God is compassionate to his enemies. Jonah says that God is slow to anger, and yet Jonah is acknowledging that he is quick to anger, that he, that he is mad, that he's lost his temper. But his anger, is, his anger is showing us that his heart is not in the right place. That, you know, he's saying, God, if this is how you are, I don't want to go on. His heart is hardened. His heart is crusty. His heart is cold. Probably by years and years of self-righteousness. Of saying, look at me, God. Look at all I've done for you. I'm a, I'm a priest. I'm a missionary. I'm high up in the government. I serve your people on this earth. Your only people. Those people over there, they're not your people. They're our enemy. They're bad. They don't deserve your grace and your love. Years and years of judging other people. Years and years of thinking that he's better than them. Years and years of self-righteousness. Years and years of turning his nose down at other people, saying things like, well, you should see how the Assyrian husbands treat their wives. And his pride, his pride and his self-righteousness have become an idol. You know, whenever we say what Jonah says, whenever we say, God, I would rather die than you take this thing from me. That is what the Bible calls an idol. It's something that we work, something that we look to, to save us. And John Calvin said that our hearts are an idol factory. The way that I think of it is just like an assembly line. You know, whenever we... Whenever we replace an idol with grace, you know, another one kind of comes down. And it's a lifelong struggle to say, you know what? I think I've gotten caught up in this thing. I think I'm looking to that to give me something that only God can give me. That w- that's what was happening for Jonah. We, we tend to look to these, these things, these created things these other people or these possessions that we want, instead of to our creator, the one that made all those things, the one that made the people around us. How do you, how do you identify your idols? You know, when you have that feeling, I, I don't want to go on living if this happens to us. What Jonah says is a key 
It's a clue to, to getting at our idols. You know, and I've, I've had that feeling. I've had that, I don't even know if I want to go on living when, when somebody broke up with me, when I didn't get a job that I thought I deserved, when a young person died and I didn't understand why God would ever let that happen. You say those things. We also can see our idols when we make deals with God. Jonah's trying to make a deal with God. He's trying to say, God, you know, if you don't give me this, if you don't give me a wife, a husband, if you don't give me financial security, if you don't heal my loved one, then I don't want to go on living. And I want to be really careful here. I, I don't want this to be harsh. You know, the Bible says a bruised reed he will not break. But there are times that we have to acknowledge we were never worshiping God to begin with. We were worshiping the life that we wanted. We were worshiping that miracle. We were worshiping that idol. That was the thing that we worshiped, not God. We have to remember what we prayed this morning, that even in uncertain times, God is still on the throne. And he does know what is best for you and for me in every circumstance. So now let's take a little step back and think about our anger, you know, in this cultural moment, here and now. There are so many reasons to be angry and to be upset. You know, I think it's a good time. Today is a good day to take a deep breath and to say, how is my heart doing? Because if I'm honest, my, my, mine is angry. Mine is upset. I am, I am angry at Derek Chauvin for killing George Floyd. I am angry at what Jim Wallace has called America's original sin, racism. I am angry at people taking advantage of protests to loot and to steal. There are so many reasons to be angry right now. John Perkins said, this generation is the first to turn hate into an asset. My generation, this generation, that is so sad that we've turned hate into an asset, into a good thing, to drive us to this unrighteous, unhealthy anger. And I want to just teach you quickly the difference between unrighteous anger and righteous anger. We need that teaching right now. Jonah was unrighteously angry. He, he was full of rage. And it was about control. It was about his plan that he wanted. It's, a, it's not about surrendering to God or his plan. That's unrighteous anger that overcompensates and seeks to hang on to control seeks to dominate people or win an argument. Unrighteous anger is not of the Lord. But righteous anger, first of all, righteous anger is not a sin. So many of us have been taught, especially if we grew up in church or we've been around church for a long time, that we should feel ashamed because we're angry. You know, church people don't get angry. Well, that's not true. God, who's perfect, 
is angry at sin. He's angry at injustice. He's angry at the state of the world right now. And that makes sense. Think about it. If you abuse my kids, if you mess with my kids or my wife, you better be sure I'm going to be angry. And that's how God feels about his world and his people as well. He is called to protect us. And his righteous anger is part of that. Second, righteous anger is concerned with God's rule over the world. So think of Jesus turning over the temples, turning over the tables in the temple courts. He was angry because they had turned this place that was supposed to be about prayer and about God into a place of greed and making money. So God, Jesus used his righteous anger for, to increase the flourishing, to increase the shalom. That is righteous anger that drives us to make a difference in God's world. And third, righteous anger, it's not toward other people. It's toward the powers and the principalities of this dark world. Ephesians 6 tells us that. Um, I, love, I love the way that Pastor Paul Vanderclay, he's a CRC pastor down in California, he said it this week. If you see someone with skin, with skin and bones, you know, he's saying if you see a human being, they are not your enemy. They may consider you their enemy, but you don't have to be theirs. Other human beings are not our enemies. Behind our sin and our evil and the injustice is Satan, the evil one, who wants to steal and kill and destroy. And he wants to divide. One of the Hebrew words for Satan in the Old Testament is, translates as the divider. Think about that. Think about how divided we are as a society right now. Do not fall for it. Be discerning. Think about ways that the evil one is trying to divide you from people that you should be loving. Think about the ways that the evil one is trying to take your righteous anger at injustice, your righteous anger at situations, and turn it toward people. There's a huge, huge difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger. But how do, we, how do we release that? How do we release our unrighteous anger and find compassion? We see God's endless compassion for us, for his people. You know, how did Jonah do it? He experienced God's compassion. He tasted it. It became real to him in this time. We're going to explore that more next week because you see in the final verses and even thinking about this book, you know, no one would allow it to be written about him if he didn't see the whole picture. Jonah doesn't care how he looks anymore because it's about God's love and his compassion for his people. The gospel is all over the book of Jonah. It's all over chapter four. God is a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, and abounding in love. This is God's character, gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Why don't you say that with me? Make your kids down the hallway think you're crazy, or if you're by yourself, you can just say it alone, and that's cool. 
gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. Doesn't that feel good to remind ourselves who God is? You know, you can be, you can be part of church for a long time and somehow miss that. We focus on the wrong things so often. I don't want anybody that can hear my voice, anyone that's part of the ministry of this church, to miss that, to miss God's grace and compassion. No matter, no matter how deep your regret is, no matter how ashamed you feel about things that you've done, no matter how often you, you do the thing that you said you'd never do, God still has grace and compassion and boundless love for you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that, that boundless love, that compassion, it's right around the corner. It's as close to you as a safe person in the room with you. Somebody where you can share the heaviness that's in your life, that regret that you have, and they can remind you, God has compassion for you. Pete, have compassion for yourself. Show yourself the same grace that God shows you. Because the compassion of God, this, this grace and compassion, it goes to people and then through people. We experience it through others that don't judge that provide a safe place, that are able to say, you're not perfect, me either. Me, you're suffering, you're hurting, me too. I'm with you in this. That is, that is holy. When we go to someone else and we find God's grace and compassion, God's boundless love, that is holy. That is where the spirit of God is. I pray that you find that as you step into, as you're vulnerable, as you share what's heavy on your heart. God is so gracious and compassionate. He, he created this world. He called us to himself. And Jonah, Jonah knew that. And yet, how much greater is the opportunity for us that are living on the other side of Jesus, living on the other side of resurrection, where we can see you know, we have these verses. For God so loved the world. Love, God's endless, boundless, compassionate, abounding love. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in Jesus would not perish, but would have eternal life. That begins now and continues forever and ever. The penny, the penny dropped for Jonah, and he got, he got grace. He learned what salvation was. He tasted that love and that compassion. May it be the same for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for myself, for my friends here, for my friends listening in, that we can experience 
your grace and your compassion. We can experience the fact that you are slow to anger and that your love is abounding. It's overflowing. It's endless for us. There's nothing we can do to separate ourselves from your love. May we taste and see that this morning. May we know it in our bones. May it become more and more real to us as we are vulnerable, as we are honest, as we are open to the people around us. May we see your compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a couple of reflection questions that I want to um, just lay before you before we uh, continue in worship. I think Nathan's going to put them up on the screen so you can see them, but just want to talk about them for a minute. Um, the first one is, you know, what is your anger telling you? Because anger is a masking emotion. There's something beneath that anger. So explore that a little bit. What is your anger telling you about, you know, your self-righteousness or the way you're trying to be, think that you're better than other people or about your idols? The second question is, you know, is the anger that you're experiencing now, is it righteous or is it unrighteous? And then third, who is your anger directed toward? You know, is it directed toward other people? Is it directed toward yourself? Are you angry at God right now? There is something with all of those, but as we grow in our walk with Christ, as we grow in knowing ourselves, we explore that more and more. Number four, how are you experiencing God's compassion? In a tangible way, you know, today, this week, how are you experiencing God's compassion toward you, his kindness toward you? Are you experiencing it? I would love to hear from you about that. I would love to talk with you about that. God is endlessly compassionate toward me and you. And last, are you compassionate toward yourself? Or are you letting the internal critic, you know, speak louder? Being compassionate toward yourself. The voice, the voice of Jesus, the voice of the Holy Spirit is always kind and compassionate. It's always loving. If you're hearing a critic, if you're hearing judgment, that's, that's not from the Lord. May, may the Lord give you, may you, may you, may the Lord give you discernment as you reflect on these.